Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. By 1997, the grunge movement was long gone. For the three years following Kurt Cobain's death, multiple artists had attempted to be the next Cobain with little to no success. So when four music journalists from Seattle formed a band, they made sure that their debut single was a satire of the stupidity of modern rock. Unfortunately, it became Harvey Danger's only hit. This week, I'm joined by my longtime bandmate and current Another Cheetah guitarist, Paul Menetiatis, to decide if the band should have had a bigger career or if it deserved the agony and irony. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a blunder Or is it one hit Hey, Paul. Hello, Chris. Hey, man. Uh, we're going to talk about Harvey Danger today. Cool. And, uh, I'm excited. Was this your pick, or or did we just assume that you were going to do this song since the composer did a popular cover of this song? The latter. Okay. That being said, I'm more than happy to do this one. It's an amazing song. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty cool song. I feel like at the time that it came out, I was a little too cool for it or something. Right. Uh, I think I was too into like punk music. And this song is like pretty punk yeah. punkish, <laughs> but it was just yeah. maybe the fact that it was like all over MTV and stuff. I was just too cool for that at the time you or know, something. You know what? You're, you're already arriving at a conclusion that I have made uh, since covering that song and hearing Harvey Danger's other music and stuff. And you talked about this in a previous podcast where, you know, unfortunately, there's great music out there that, you know, is captured, shall we say, by like major labels and not with this song, of course. But my point is his other music or their their other music rather did not get a fair shake, really, because it was so completely blown out with how popular that, that song got. And unfortunately, I agree with you. I was the same way when this song came out. Like the fact that it was as popular as it was and, you know, on the radio and stuff. Unfortunately, I had that closed minded view, uh, like that sellout mentality of of it and couldn't fully appreciate it for as good of a song as it was back then you know what i mean right yeah nowadays 
I don't care about that kind of thing. But when you're, you know, we were pretty young when this song came out and yeah. you're kind of jaded about anything that's on the radio or anything. If you're, right. if you're us, <laughs> if you're dudes yeah. that are like involved in punk rock music and uh, it's the nineties and you know, everybody's yeah. a sellout, whether they, right. it, it doesn't matter whether they change their sound or not. like yeah. that word was just thrown around like, like, anything. like the Blair witch trials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, but the song is pretty cool. You know, I like it more now than I did then for sure. Same. Uh, for sure. it's a very, it's a really clever song. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we should note the name of the band is Harvey Danger. It is not the name of the guy. Right. I'm sure it, it's a very hooty situation. <laughs> right. You know? I, you know, I make that mistake over and over myself, even though I know that that's the case, you know? Right. So it's pretty interesting. The lead singer of the band, not Harvey Danger. His name is Sean Nelson. He's actually, he was a, a music critic at this publication called The Stranger in Seattle. And yeah. um, even today, he still writes and edits uh, for that newspaper. Nice. And and at the time he was in the band, he also wrote for that newspaper. And his big song is kind of like commentary on the Seattle music scene in a way. Uh, sure. I, I guess it's kind of a response to grunge music. Right. You know, when you, you look at the lyrics, yeah. which Matt brought up to me, the lyric about the agony and the irony, they're killing me. Right. I guess could be in reference to, you know, the angst of grunge music, but at the same time, these bands are super popular and rich. So what are they so angsty about, I For guess? Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of thinking about that myself but it seems seems accurate absolutely and and unfortunately it seems that the band they were truly and genuinely not for the industry the monstrous music industry that you know chewed them up and spit them out you know what i mean they were over it seemed to be like they were over that before that song even you know what I mean? That was not their intention, of course, you know. They were a total self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. <laughs> their, song, their song was complaining about it, and then they also were a victim of it, I guess. Right. But I'm sure they made a few bucks in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. And that's 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 great for them. And it's an amazing... that None of that changes the fact that it's a great song. Right. One of the things that, you know, having you on this episode you're a person who is so well-versed in the world of music theory and uh, has a real deep understanding of music i wanted to talk to you a little bit about are there any specific unique things about this song musically that stand out to you whether it's a riff or whether it's a melody or whether it's a chord change or anything like that that makes this song stand out to you especially since you covered it yeah you know you have a an even deeper, I, I guess yeah. you could say, understanding of the song. Right, right. Well, first of all, it's amazing to me that a song, any pop song, can achieve like that kind of success when the chorus itself is three chords. That's nothing surprising, but the 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 three chords that they are are just very hard to make a catchy melody for do you know what i mean like right yeah the song itself uh, I, I have no other way of explaining this it's in as far as i know the key of d right so the course itself is a d to an e minor then to a c natural back to a d which that's fine and for people that are even more 
knowledgeable about theory and music than than I am would say, you know, whatever, that's fine. There plenty can be done with that. But it's to me though, you know, when when you, when you listen to pop music, when you listen to the radio, when you listen to the things that, that get popular, that's not some that's not a <laughs> that's not a very good jumping off point for if you're if you're setting out to like write a smash hit, right. you know. So it's actually it's pretty impressive yeah to step outside of the normal chord progressions you would hear you hear in 95% of hit songs it's a right. it's a real challenge to write a song it's not necessarily a challenge to write a song that's outside of that but to write a song that becomes huge that is outside yes. of that realm is pretty rare because subconsciously the human mind wants to hear that normal chord progression with resolution that your mind is your mind is expecting and it's like satisfying and to have something different than that can you i don't want to put you on the spot but can you think of other are there any songs that come to mind when you think of like oh i can't believe that a song with that chord progression became a hit yeah i'm sure i could think of more better examples but um the very first one that just flashed in my mind when you said that was um s- somebody i used to know Is that oh yeah called? yeah Gautier. yeah there's an example of a song that when i critically listen to it it does not make sense to me why it was as popular why it did as well as it did now that being said i'm glad for that you know what i mean like we need more of that and kudos to the songwriter right right to make that work but that's that's one example of something like that. I'm sure I could think of others, but no, that's great. Yeah. It's striking. One thing I always on these episodes like to take a look at is when the song became popular, what was going on in the world of music? What other things were popular? Right. Cause that having that backdrop is pretty interesting. It is flagpole. Sitta <laughs> peaked at number three on modern rock charts. And, and at the time it was behind fuel shimmer you know that song? Yeah, I do. I like that song. Yeah, it's a good one. And Goo Goo Dolls' Iris. So, Ooh. yeah, some pretty good jams. Yeah, for sure. Did the composure also... Wait, you did yeah. Goo Goo's... Was it, the, was it yeah. Iris? No, oh. it was Slide. Oh, Slide. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a good song, too. For sure. You know, it seemed like, in general, I mean, Iris and Shimmer and this song, that seemed like a pretty good time for if you're going to turn on whatever rock radio <laughs> it's right pretty decent stuff you know it's not yeah. terrible it's not new metal yeah no i couldn't agree more they're contending that song was contending with other actually good songs at the time yeah right i mean on the the other side of that coin though that, that same year with i think it was 97 one of the biggest songs of that year was barbie girl so oh. <laughs> so uh i don't know if uh you know right maybe in the world of rock things were kind of cool, not yeah. as cool as a few years before, because uh, right. you know a few years before we've talked about this on other episodes. But like how lucky we were. Like you're you're a little younger than me, but we're still like in the same age range. Oh yeah, to I would e- say so. To have experienced yeah. the same things, but how lucky we were to have been young and impressionable in the time of Weezer and Green Day and so many good bands, and not five to eight years earlier when we we may have been only exposed to like hair metal and things like that so like we were we we were born in a pretty sweet spot for hitting really good music i like to always think that like 
the best music is continually happening now. But if I, if you told me like, okay, you have to choose an era between 1980 and 2010, I would have went, okay, I want to have been impressionable at 1993 and 94. So yes, I was early 90s for sure. Very lucky for that. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, this being a little bit later in the 90s, still some all right stuff. I kind of feel like the world of music started, it got away from the real emotion and like craziness of, I mean, some of those songs like on, on Nevermind and things like that, yeah. that were just so wild and, and I mean, in utero too, and, and I don't know, dissonant and crazy. Yeah. And then I think things got a little more like, oh, we're taking the influence of Nirvana in that world, but we're going to make it really polished and right. nicer in the lady ni- later 90s. And, uh, y- you yes. know, uh, yes. I-, I like the the more raw stuff. I'm sure that for sure most people probably do. I'm trying to look into this band a little bit more yeah they definitely faded away quickly after this song they are a true one-hit wonder unfortunately for them and all due respect to them that's kind of how we have to categorize this song right coming into the episode we know every song is a one-hit wonder and we'll get to we'll get to a little bit later was it one hit thunder meaning the band was actually awesome or whatever or was it a one-hit blunder as in Wow, yeah. did this song get big? I think that it's probably yeah. no secret that we we both think this band is pretty good. <laughs> right. I dug into their catalog a little bit more, uh, especially while I was eating breakfast, and uh, it's pretty good. In a strange way, maybe it's just the style of the singing because it's not like there's like piano featured or something, but they were kind of remind me of like the world of Ben Folds Five or something like that. Something about them, and I I don't know what it is. It could just be no. the the sound of that time or something like that, but it could be. It could be. I think that I don't know like what kind of musician the singer is. I mean, like you see him like fiddling around with keys or pianos or stuff like that, like in some of the videos or images of them. But a lot of it could be a lot of those songs. I could see them being stripped down to single instrument and vocals and be very emotionally charged, you know, song that that still has its full integrity. You know what I mean? Right. These could have been like singer-songwriter style songs, but they had this really good band behind them. Right. Dude, the guitar tones on some of these songs are just so gnarly, you know? Right. It's so trashy at times, but still great great guitar tones and just a lot of energy in its looseness you know what now that i think about they they definitely fit right into that world i don't know if if they're as good or or not and i'd probably say not just based on the fact they only released a couple albums and and whatever went away whereas but they they would kind of fit in the world of like super drag and not a surf yeah all those bands are from around the same time it's just that the others kind of like continued after the success, right. regardless of not amounting to that hit that they had. They they kept going, whereas this band was kind of like, I ah, will do one more. Yeah, they did a second album and then whatever. That was one of those stories about. Yeah. Shelved. Shelved or something yeah. like something along those lines. I think it did come out, but to no fanfare or anything. Right. And right. then they released one more in 2005, which they released free on BitTorrent. 
uh, and then and then later made a physical version available. They were kind of yeah. a little bit a little bit too ahead of the curve on that. Right. <laughs> in two thousand yeah. five, people were still buying CDs, as you and I know. In two, in exactly. Punchline action out, and people bought CDs like crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that was the world we were in. Yeah, that was cool. That was great. <laughs> that was so good. That was so cool when you could play in a band and people would actually buy your music. <laughs> Uh, and come see yeah, your show. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. that was pretty cool. That was great. Yeah. They're one of these unfortunate stories. I hate to like lump them in any kind of like generality at all, but like they're one of these, you know, unfortunate major label stories. You know, they took this great band with so much potential and just like sucked them dry. Right. And just closed the lid on them. It's crazy what I notice about this song and and it's something to keep in mind. Like we play in another cheetah now together. And something that I've kind of learned over the years is I feel like when we were younger, we were very focused on making the musical aspects really stick out and not, and having the, the vocals be like an instrument in the mix and not, but now we realize those vocals have to be way out front. And the more people can understand those vocals and really know what you're saying the more popular or the better shot that song has of becoming big and this song there's no doubt at any moment in this song you are hearing exactly what this guy is saying he is saying these lyrics so decipherably i guess it would be yeah. the word. like you understand exactly what he's saying and he has a very uh, recognizable un- unique voice yeah it's like you could take the vocal track from this song and just play that and people could <laughs> sing you know people could sing along and and you would know this song that's that's how important the vocals are on this song you know yeah it, it's integral you know yeah they, they are so in your face and i kind of think that maybe that's a big part of why the song was so popular. It's yeah, a lot of lyrics. They're they're clever. They're fun to sing along to, and you hear them. You know, right, right. Like some of these. Like I was listening to My Bloody Valentine the other day, and I don't, uh-huh. I don't know how familiar you are with them, but their vocals, Not too much, but- their vocals are su- such just a layer, <laughs> and right, and it's like the guitars are so much louder than the vocals. Yeah. That the vocals are just kind of like an instrument in the mix. And I feel like right. the strokes have done that a lot. Mm-hmm. So there are bands that can buck that rule that the vocals right. have to be super out front. But usually it's to the average person. they That's the most important thing about a song. Oh, yeah. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, 
Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. No doubt. No doubt. And when you hear that song, I mean, there's there's no question that the vocals are by far the loudest thing in the mix. And like you said, so unique sounding and deliberate. Yeah, it's one of those songs. I don't I don't know if there's enough lyrics in this song to put it in that category, but I personally am always trying to write that song, which is that song with a billion lyrics that yeah. like if you can sing that whole song, if you can recite that, then, then that's impressive. And those right. songs those songs that come to mind are like we didn't start the fire and it's the end of the world as we know it punk rock girl oh yeah punk rock girl is a perfect example i was gonna say uh if you know that bad religion song stranger than fiction oh yeah just like so many lyrics and yeah i think that's cool you know absolutely when you have so much to say that you can't even fit it in one song yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you do anyway yeah you somehow work it out yeah right and this is kind this is kind of that way. It's definitely yeah. fun to sing along. If you were drunk in a bar on 90s night and this song came on and there were 10 other people that were singing every other every word, that would be what's so cool about it is oh we yeah. all we all know all these words, you know. Yeah, explosive, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, covering it, somebody in the band reached out and said like hey check out our cover of your song you know and (laughs) actually got a response in some way shape or form i wish i knew exactly who and what they said and and like how this went down and the singer i get i'm assuming you know his response was exactly what you would expect just totally like yeah cool that's great thanks but i'll probably i'm probably not going to check it out like (laughs) like i'm what a dick i know but I should be careful. I don't know exactly what he said, but it was basically like, yeah, <laughs> thanks and all, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, we have no. other better songs or something, you know, to that effect. Yeah, well, still, <laughs> Harvey Danger no. is is not okay. They had one hit. You got to be a little bit more appreciative of yes. You know, I'm sure the song is has been covered a bunch of times, but you guys yeah. did a really good version of it like you definitely did the best cover ever of flagpole sitta and the spotify stats will prove that you guys have like half a million plays or something on your cover of flagpole sitta i I didn't look at what exactly they are but it's impressive Because you guys did a real, real good job of it. Oh, well, yeah, thanks. It's a great song and with plenty of room for presentation with moving it around, seeing how it sounds as a fast punk song, seeing how it sounds as like, you know, sludgy and heavy or whatever. But it already is kind of sludgy and heavy in its original form. But yeah, it's just such a good song that like it can be kind of taken any way, you know? Right. On the other side of that coin, in another Cheetah, the band we play together, we did a cover of The Bangles Walk Like an Egyptian, and they actually posted it. <laughs> the actual Bangles posted it and said that the song rocks. And, and the Bangles had multiple hits, and the right. Bangles are way more of a household name than Harvey Danger. Yeah. And so I'm just going to say, 
the Bengals are a lot cooler than Harvey Danger. Harvey, Harvey Danger, he, he's sitting, and I am going to start referring to Harvey Danger as just the guy. I, I picture that that nerd singer. Like, right. You got me a little mad now. That nerd singer probably uh, writing, talking shit on music yeah. in, in his little newspaper, and someone <laughs> sends him a song, and he has to be a smartass about it. Right. <laughs> Even right. I know you said you don't know exactly what he said, but still. Right. But still, yeah. I don't care if someone covered a punchline song and sent it to me. You know, I definitely check it out. And regardless of whether it was just okay or awesome or whatever, like I'm 100 percent right. flattered that someone would take the time to like my band song enough to cover it. What the fuck? <laughs> and yeah, take the time, spend a little bit of money, possibly right. on doing so. And yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I agree. I couldn't agree more. But there is, of course. It's kind of hard, though, when as an artist, when all your other material has been just so pushed aside and forgotten about or, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I know that's probably how Harvey looks at it. But yeah, uh, Harvey the man. But you and I both know that's such bullshit. Because yeah, no, no, let it be known. I agree with you 100 percent. It's I'm more or less playing devil's advocate. You know? Right. Because you and I have been playing music forever and have such extensive catalogs of music that we've released into the world. And we would both kill to have a flagpole sit up because that would mean if nothing yeah. else, it would give us a little bit of notoriety and royalty money to be able to more easily continue making music as a right. primary way to exist <laughs> yeah instead of yeah. instead of the other the other side of that which is you know you and i are going to make music no matter what till we die right like it's right. just in us at this point it's not like one day you're gonna wake up and be like i'm not gonna write music anymore or whatever fuck that right. i'm not yeah. i'm not gonna do yeah. that so we do whatever it takes to be able to do that uh, yes. whatever sacrifices we have to make or whatever so you know i can't sympathize too much when people complain yeah. about having a hit and i think it's cool when bands embrace that hit yeah you know a good example of that is we just had as a guest on our podcast we had matt from weedus and mm -hmm. weedus totally embraces teenage dirtbag and why wouldn't right. you why, yeah. why why wouldn't you it's a beloved song that yeah. has stood the test of time and allows the band to continue making music whatever 25 years later however many right. years it's been and will for the rest of their lives probably yeah do that yes so yes. yeah i can't i can't sympathize with uh harvey too much yeah right exactly now that was our experience that was our response to getting a hold of him or <laughs> of him harvey right Getting hold and sending them the song and just being like, hey, check it out if you like. And so that was their response and like, whatever, you know. But I did see something where the singer did say at some point that he recognizes that even though it was like a flash in the pan, you know, fad type of thing, that they did in fact inspire kids or, you know, younger people to get into music. And for that side of it, he's grateful. You know what I mean? For That's cool. Everything. Yeah, so he has at least made that distinction. Yeah. You know. Hey, I was just thinking about another so song that you and I covered together uh, was, you know, in Punchline, we did a cover of the Get Up Kids Holiday. Yeah. For like a Get Up Kids tribute album. And uh -huh. 
I think that the response we got from them was actually like really funny because wasn't it? I kind of think that we decided, hey, we could just like cover this song how it is, make it like punk, but we decided to do like a island version of it for <laughs> for lack yeah. of a better way to put it. Yeah. I, and I love it. I love how we Same. did that song. You know, I, I I don't know if you, it's pretty reggae-ish, I guess, but it's all, it's more like lounge island or something like that. Right. But right. basically I think that the singer, the get up kids, I don't know if Steve sent it to him or whatever. And his, mm-hmm. his response to it was basically something along the lines of like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that I think that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. You know what is also funny to note is that do you remember the other option when we were working out the different things we could do? The other option that we were considering was like a super fast Fat Records style version of that song. Oh yeah, I don't remember that, but that would have been cool too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we were definitely like just trying to like be extreme with our cover of that song. You know what I mean? And I think that sometimes is what you should do. Yes. Like yes. I say this as a guy who released a cover album, <laughs> a cover EP with Punchline last year, where we did Weezer. We did uh, Weezer, The World Has Turned Left Me Here, exactly <laughs> how mm-hmm. Weezer did it, just because, I don't know, it's just such a good song, and like, but yeah. but at the same time, I've done a lot of covers of songs that like, you want to make it your own, you want yeah. to put your own touches on it and make it a whole new thing. Right. Can you think of any songs where you like the cover better than the original yeah i would need a second to really think about that but i do know for certain that is the case but go on what is your i love ub40 covering elvis can't help falling in love with you yeah for sure there's one talk to matt about this on an earlier episode i love fiona apple's cover of across the universe yeah man that i heard i listened to that episode i yeah i couldn't agree more i mean it's so good i mean and it's it's very rare that someone's that I would say that someone does a song better than the Beatles did it themselves. Exactly. But I would say maybe, that might be a stretch, but maybe as good as, <laughs> you know? Right. I think the only reason that you're making that distinction, like, because we are talking about the Beatles. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm with you. I, I like Fiona Apple's cover of that song better than the original, recognizing that the original is a feat in and of itself right. that cannot be overstated. Right. I know I, I should have prepared like a list of, right. because there's probably like a hundred covers that I like better than the original. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. But you always got to give credit to the original oh, yeah. considering the cover wouldn't exist without the original, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. That almost brings you back to the conversation of like writers versus performers. Like what, what would you, if you had to choose, you're a writer and a performer, Uh um, but if you had to choose being known for writing or known for performing. So if you're known for writing, you might not be a household known. Yeah. You, people might not know your your name or whatever. You're still making a lot of money and you're successful, but you might not, or would you rather be an amazing performer who's well-known and you're crazy talented at your craft let's say in this instance it's singing right but you don't write your own songs yeah yeah you know what what would you what would you rather be an out of this world talent performing or out of this world talent at writing that's so hard you and i know 
the rush you feel when performing and how there's no other substitute for that feeling, right? Right. There's nothing that can give you what that gives you. But there's also to be able to create the content that you then perform, right? The fact that that is now in the fabric of history, right? And that you have made a mark on this planet, no matter how big or small, you know, you have made your mark, you know, in this world and potentially with, you know, a heavy hand really changing things or or having an effect. That's the thing, man. Like you said, we've been doing this for years and, you know, you could rate our success, you know, uh, however you like. Right. But we have even influenced people to either play music, write music, just get into music on any level. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, the, the thing is, like, I downplay you yeah. and I have played music together for a long time, whether it's in Punchline, yeah. another Cheetah, where, wherever we're, we're doing. I'll downplay that a lot when I'm talking about it. But we came up in a music scene where we saw people that we literally are friends with become more successful than even the <laughs> bands we thought were successful when we were right. young. Like, yeah. 50 times that. So, like, yeah. we always have this uh, grass is always greener point of view about success in making music but the fact of the matter is on the other hand of that i realize this and never take it for granted we are more successful than 99.9 percent of people that play music you know like because we got to travel the world we got to release music and have a lot of people buy it and like in punchline you you put it all together we've sold hundreds of thousands of albums like that is that is that's crazy but we all we're always just looking to you know oh we don't have platinum albums on our walls or whatever right. like and the obviously the monetary aspect of it yeah obviously <laughs> you know but at the same time hey it's never too late for a good song oh i, no, I really no, think never. i really think that the fact that we haven't achieved that huge level of success that you're always striving yeah. for not because you want to be a pop star, but because you want to be able to continue making music and and have that be all you got to do. The fact that we haven't achieved that, I think keeps us, in my opinion anyway, striving to write our best music ever and never phoning it in. So that means that like, as we get older, maybe we're going to write our best or most popular songs. Whereas like a band that blew up 10, 15 years ago off of a song then gets comfortable in life and doesn't have those, that same fire or inspiration and the music suffers. And you see that it's so rare that that doesn't happen. I know a band that I, I really love who I think keeps pushing and keeps making better music and has made me such a fit is, is Paramore. I love yeah. Paramore and I feel like Haley keeps making awesome music. And, and in my opinion, it keeps getting better and better. And she's like an exception to the rule. And how cool is it that you, you know, were label mates and yeah. got to tour together. And- yeah. We toured with them in Japan. She was 17 years old at the time. And, and even then watching her like sing in a record store, I was like, Oh my God, she's, so, she's so good that like, I could never be like envious of her. She's like, she's right, like a generation. Different... She's a generational talent. She's like yeah, insanely. Yeah. So like when I see that, 
then you know there there are those people out there that are so good that you're like well, no i can't yeah. i can't bitch about my sa- my success or lack of it because there are people out right. there that are so so good that like yeah but that's not always how it happens but no of course not we'll, we'll wrap this up for for harvey dane danger flagpole sitta i would say it's one hit thunder it's a it's a good song and i like it even more than i did when it came out i agree 100 uh, percent yeah, and there if you check out the rest of their music, it's definitely worth checking out. It's on par with Flagpole yeah. Sitta as far as like quality. It's not like it was an album where it's like, oh, Flagpole Sitta rules and the rest of this sucks. It's it's right. all good. It's all Yes, it is all good and it is all in the same vein. It's all it all has that energy that Flagpole Sitta has. It all has that punk rock, you know, feel and delivery, especially. Hell yeah. You know? Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Dude, thanks so much for asking me. I, yeah. I'm really happy about can't, it. Can't wait Thank for this quarantine to be over so I can see you and make some music with you. I know, so we can hang out, play some, perform some music, and write some music together. That'd be great. Yeah. Cool, man. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. You're hearing Lucky by Another Cheetah featuring Chris and this week's guest, Paul. Visit punchlion.com for updates as well as news, merch, and future tour dates. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app and stay safe out there. We'll be back next week with another episode of One Hit Thunder. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.